If your happy ending is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sil with a money-back guarantee. It's all-natural joint pain relief that's changed our lives. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sil, like silicon. Go to sierrasil.com. Use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Welcome to Catch My Drift, interviews that are about sleep, but without putting you to sleep, if you know what I mean. Made possible by Envy Pillow, my sleeping beauty for over 20 years. The Canadian-designed, copper-infused Envy Pillow aligns your spine and neck and prevents those lines that sleeping on our face brings. EnvyPillow.com. If you're a new parent, a not-so-new parent, or a grandparent, or caregiver, then the sleep of a child or children in your life is everything. In fact, one quarter of all children experience some kind of sleep difficulty, and that, of course, can turn life extremely challenging both day and night for a parent. In a time when everybody's got an opinion, we're turning to an expert. Dr. Jody Mindell has a list of degrees as long as this podcast, but you would know her as the author of the book on pediatric sleep, Sleeping Through the Night, How Infants, Toddlers, and Their Parents Can Get a Good Night's Sleep. In this first of a four-part chat with Dr. Jody Mindell, is it ever too late for sleep training and who to listen to in an age of opinions as fact? Dr. Mindell, may I call you Jody? Yes, please. Feel free. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. Now, you first wrote this book in 2005, now in its fourth edition, so obviously the messages are resonating. What's changed in the last 16 years of the ways that we approach, or you'd like us to approach, sleeping through the night? I think one of the biggest things that's changed over the last 15, 16 years is how much information parents, people, the world is bombarded with. And I think it's made it very difficult for families and very confusing because they're hearing all these different voices, all telling them to do you know, things to do. I think some other major changes is social media and how much, you know, we're all attached to our screens and how much that's impacting, you know, what's happening with families in the evening and bedtime stories and all of those things. You know, the world has really changed since then. It absolutely has. And when you talk about the Internet, it's such a hot topic. Child sleeping, breastfeeding. Everybody has a voice. Everyone has an opinion. And everyone likes to think those opinions are facts. And if you go back to breastfeeding and stuff, it, it can get almost hostile the way that people tell you this is how you should do it. How do new parents especially deal with just the bombardment of all of this information and opinions disguised as information? It's overwhelming. I mean, there's no question for parents. And, and uh, you know, I have great sympathy for how overwhelming it is. I think one of the things that parents really need to do is really think to themselves, what are their own priorities? What is important to them? Turn off the voices from everybody. And then once they're centered a little bit on what they want for themselves and their child and everybody in the family. So is that do you want your baby um, sleeping in 
a separate space? Do you want your baby to be more independent? Do you have, are you a person who really needs your baby to be right next to you? And that may change over time, both with one baby or by the time you have your third or fourth, that may change what you're thinking. And then once you have a sense of what is, works for you and your family is then seek out evidence-based, empirically supported, which means science behind it, to then help you come up with solutions. And one of the things that I've done because of this, you know, incredible influx of information, and, you know, hopefully it's helped and not just been another voice, is, you know, I created a website with the Pediatric Sleep Council called babysleep.com. And the whole goal, it was a labor of love. It is just a place where experts, pediatric sleep experts from around the world can put out information that can help families rather than it being lots and lots of opinions. So is everyone in babysleep.com because you've got a really great group of experts. Are they always on the same page though? Very similar. You know, there are some differences because it's a worldwide um, group and it's an international group and culture absolutely um, affects it. But we're all evidence-based and empirically supported. And so we all go with the science and I think there's lots of consistency across it. The other thing that's really important to understand is there's no absolute right answer. So if I think about you know, it, helping a baby to learn to fall asleep independently. And I use the term sleep training. Some people use lots of, you know, other terminology, often ones that have a lot of emotion tied to it, like cry it out, mm. which just sounds terrible. But if you think about something like that, there isn't one way to get to the final answer. There's many, many different ways. And so some of us have a slight subtleties in kind of how we may recommend it, but we're all going for the exact same final outcome. One size does not fit all. And if there is a generation of people who have grown up to expect GPS or you can ask Google anything, it's instant answers and instant fail-proof solutions, but even Google Maps can send you off a cliff. So I guess it's all studying not only all of the answers, but considering the source. And babysleep.com is just a wonderful source. So thank you for that. Um, a study from the American Family Physicians said that one in two children, and if my math's right, that's half, um, has experienced sleep problems, Dr. 92% of those families who said they'd like to change something about their child's sleep, it would be a child waking at night and bedtime problems. So now that we know we're all in the same boat or bed, how do we characterize sleep problems? So that data... I assume that's my data, actually. Um, so we've been doing studies around the world on sleep problems and what parents, how they feel about it. And whether or not a child has a sleep problem and parents report that is really variable around the world. Here in the United States, it's about 25 to 30 percent. In some place like China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, it's more like 75 percent. But we then asked the question, would you like to change something about your child's sleep? And it was 90 5% of families in every place around the world. And what is it they want to change? For parents who think their child has a sleep problem, and that's their own definition to it, it's typically waking at night. 
and some bedtime problems. For families who do not perceive their child having a sleep problem, it's a lot about schedules. I want her to go to bed earlier. I want her to wake up later. I'm not exactly sure about her naps. I don't think she naps long enough. So there, it's sort of two different buckets about what people want to change. Is there an answer in terms of what is, quote, a sleep problem? There actually isn't a, an absolute definition. There are many, many, many sleep disorders. I work in a, in a sleep center at a children's hospital, and we see children with so many different types of sleep problems. But when we're talking about the average family, it's usually all about getting them to bed at night and getting them to sleep through the night. We're going to look into the geographical disparity because I find that fascinating. But also, there's gender disparity, with twice as many fathers as mothers actually citing sleep and bedtime as top child-rearing issues. Why do you think that is? You know, we don't know enough about fathers. And and they're so, obviously, you know, as critical as mothers and as critical as every member of the family. And we do know on studies that father's sleep is actually not as affected as mother's sleep in terms of when the baby wakes up at night, it's more likely to be the mother who responds to it. If it's a it's a mother-father household, that probably has a lot to do with nursing, right? Because mm-hmm. moms are the ones who are nursing. But I, you know, a lot of whether you perceive your child as having a sleep problem is all about the context and your expectations. So if you have this expectation that I have this image that once my child's four or five months old, they're going to go to bed at night, I'm going to have my night and that'll be it. And I have a feeling there's differences in cognitions about how we think what like family life is going to be like. In a nutshell, and I know this is a very big topic, and thank goodness we've got you around for a few more segments here. What is sleep training? Sleep training is all about getting a baby to be able to self-soothe to sleep, to fall asleep independently. And the reason that's important is that all babies naturally wake up between two and six times per night. And so the issue is not typically, why is my baby waking up? The issue is, why can't she fall back to sleep on her own? So if you rock a baby to sleep at bedtime, when they naturally wake up at one and three and five, they need to be rocked back to sleep. If they're fed to sleep, they need to be fed back to sleep. So sleep training is all about getting them so they don't need somebody else's assistance to get them to fall asleep. Is it ever too late or too soon to begin with sleep training? Never too late. That's an absolute, uh, you know, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a 10-year-old. We see them all in my sleep clinic. Um, Too early, you know, we really worry about the little ones. You know, a two-week-old, a three-week-old, a -a two-and-a-half-month-old. There are many of those babies who are self-soothers and they can put themselves to sleep, but we wouldn't do sleep training. We would put them down give them a little trial run. And if your baby just kind of, you know, looks at the mobile and drifts off, all the best to them. But if they start crying or getting upset, we really want parents to respond in that first three to up to six months. Wonderful. Sleeping through the night now in its fourth edition empowers parents to trust their gut and not the internet. So before I let you go just for now, what is the one biggest piece of advice if you had a pillow big enough to embroider it on and leave it in the nursery to remind a struggling parent when the baby is crying, you're crying and you all, you just want to go to sleep? Oh, that's such a good question. I was thinking you were saying, what's my best piece of advice? And that's where I was going. What should you do is babies are resilient. They're going to be totally fine. And that even fits on a pillow. Well done. 
Thank you very much. In part two of our chat with Dr. Jody Mendel, author of the book on pediatric sleep, Sleeping Through the Night, we'll discuss most commonly asked questions and why there's hope in sleep training if you just hang in. You may have a difficult one night, two nights, three nights, maybe even for the most persistent baby a week, but then things are going to be so much better for everyone. I'm Erin Davis with a reminder to join me tonight for another gentle sleep story on Drift, where we'll help you have sweet dreams. Talk to you then.